If you're 25 and you have limited resources, go off, borrow money and flip houses. Go off, start a wholesaling business to work on labor, or maybe get a few homes and sit on them for risk mitigation. Don't buy gold. But if you're 65 and you have assets and you're coming to this market right now where inflation's high, it's like, yeah, time to buy gold is now. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? All right, welcome to Expertish Podcast. Today's guest is Alex Felice. How's it going today, Alex? Doing all right? Very well. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. You know, and it, we talked just for a second before we started recording. This is our first full day of being safe in California. I don't know how it is where, where you are now, but I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably been a little bit safer for a while, right? I live by a military base. I think everybody here kind of has the, you know, I'm scared of bigger things yeah. mentality. So exactly. People have been safe for a while, but you know, we, we were happy to, to move on uh, mostly a while ago, to be honest. Right. Right. Yeah. I feel, I feel the same thing. I think most people, same thing here, you know, big, big military city, but yesterday, definitely a lot more people out about doing things and stuff. I think mostly just because honestly, they didn't have to wear masks. I think that's why mostly people were out yesterday, but yeah, good to, good to get things back a little bit back to normal, but how about we start out with just a tad bit of a military background, because I know, you know, you were, you are a veteran and still living near the military base, like you said. So how about a little bit of background on that, if you don't mind. I joined the military at 18 because I had nothing better to do. Like most people, I think, you know, I was a shy, insecure, scrawny kid who had no self-belief. And the army really turned that around for me, thankfully. You know, I got out at four years. I didn't do great in the military. I got out as an E4. You know, it's just one of those where I, I'm, a re- I'm a rebel at heart, deeply. I thought it was teenage angst. And now here I am at 30, coming up on 38. And I'm more rebellious than ever. So I, I needed to get out and make my own way. I don't like the rigidity of the military. Look, there's reasonable complaints that people can make, but for the most part, the military made me who I am. Uh, They taught me to be tough as nails. They let me see the world a little bit. So I realized that Americans have largely no problems at all comparatively. So that's a very good perspective to be uh, thankful for where I am rather than entitled for what I could have. And it taught me to mostly be fearless because, you know, guns, grenades, and rockets, it's like, debt isn't so scary comparatively <laughs> so, <laughs> or bad tenants or any of those things. So the, the, the military did really, really good for me. Kind of by the time I got out, it was kind of holding me back. When I got in, I really needed the help. By the time I got out in four years, it had transformed me. Now I was still a, a low work ethic slacker for probably, I don't know, a, a bunch of years afterwards. So it took me a while to kind of like use the skills that I got from the military and really apply them. But the military did, did really good for me, but I didn't get out and start killing it. I got out in 05. I didn't get my life together for another probably six years. I kind of feel like sometimes too, people, myself included, don't always realize exactly what impact the military had on them until a ways after they're done. And then you kind of realize the experiences or the people and what that did to shape your kind of future life. When you're in the military culture, everybody's kind of going through that. And so you have a hierarchy, a social hierarchy, a bit where you're like, okay, that guy's hot shit. That guy's a slacker. Yeah. But within a very small framework of personality to get to the real world and you're like, yo, there's a lot of slackers. I, I might not be good. I might not be good. I might not be great, 
but I ain't like, I'm better than a lot of those like complete slackers who are both lazy and delicate. Yeah. And so you start to be like, yo, I'm independent. I'm self-reliant. I'm tough. And now I realize, you know, the competition is not that hard. I mean, look, capitalist society is harder to compete in than the military, where if you stay in, you're basically, as long as you know, I'm not egregious, you basically have pure job security and you're going to get promoted. Right. If you do like, you know, what is it? Sh show up on time and in the right uniform and you'll, you'll have basically. a good career. Yeah. It's harder than that in meritocracy capitalism, but the upside is much higher. So you, you don't have to be Jeff Bezos. You can be like, there's a lot of in between. Right. And the in between is not bad at all. And again, it took me a while to figure it out. Um, I think that's what maybe puts a lot of people in worry to get out is they're like, man, what if I can't make 50 or 60 grand a year? And you're like, yeah, right. What if you can't make that for the first four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years? But what if you can make three, 400, a million dollars a year after that? The upside is much higher right. and you learn to do it on your terms. So I think there's definitely a fear when you, when you're getting out because you, it's very, a very known, you know what, how the domain operates. And then you get out and you start to compete against people. And you're like, I can kick all your asses. I yeah. Can. So you start to really realize, like I said, you know, the army taught me independence, self-reliance made, made me tough, both mentally and physically. And those are very, they don't seem like much value when you're in. Yeah. And then you get out and you're like, yo, this is easy. It, yeah. I, I, I've said, and you know, and a lot of people I know, I, I guess that uh, military can breed mediocrity right? Kind of like you said, show up on time. You know, it's, it's like, it doesn't want, you know, people don't want you to go to jail, but they also don't always want you to really, really push the limits and push the ceiling because that causes work on the upper end too, you know, because at certain positions, people, they have to check a box, you know, to move forward. So it's kind of like, don't rock the boat, do well enough to keep things moving. And that's just the way that the system works. It's not, you know, it's not bad people or whatever, but like you said, after kind of working under that ceiling, if you will, for, for however long that you do it, when you get out, you have that perspective and, and then that realization that like, Hey, you know, not everyone's working as diligently or, you know, as hard or, or pushing themselves the way people that were just your normal peers were doing in, you know, and, and you just, the people that are doing that when they transition out, it's like you said, it's, there's no limit to what you can do if you believe in it yourself. Self-belief is the absolute hardest part of life, honestly. Right, right. Success and just general, like being okay with yourself and what you can do with your time on the earth and, and you know, relationships and, and growth, all these things. It just really comes down to like, if you really believe that you can do it, if you really believe it unquestionably or close to it, you know, I love that on that topic, I love that the name of this podcast is the expert-ish because I think that's how even experts, many of them feel, right? Especially if they have some humility, they're like, yeah, I mean, I know more than most and that's enough. I can yeah. do more than most. And that's kind of enough to be like, yeah, I know I can, I, I can probably, I'll probably mess that up, but I know I can get it done. And once you believe that, then you can go get it done. Yeah. If you don't believe you're not going to try as hard. Yeah, you're going to absolutely. If, if you feel like you have to wait until you have a hundred percent solution to do anything, you're never going to get anything done. But if you can get 75, 80% and then figure it out along the way, once you take a step, then you can do whatever you want. Dude, I'm the king of doing stuff like kind of lousy and then just doing it anyway. And then, you know, what I'm really good at, I'm not a high work ethic guy, not really. Um, what I'm really good at is I stick with things for right. years, for right. years. So it's like, you know, I do photography. And when I started, you know, bad at it. When I started real estate, it's like kind of bad at it. My first multifamily, it's like, ugh, mistakes, bad at it. It's like, yeah, but 
that'll wash because I'm going to do this for 20 years. Watch out. Yeah. You're not going to remember the the first picture I took or the first two or three years. And now people are like, yo, how'd you get so good? And it's like, I've been cringing at what I do for five years while you haven't been paying attention because the key is nobody notices you when you're bad. Right. Nobody cares when you're bad at something. So it's like, oh, I put that out and it sucked. It's like, you know, probably this podcast, you're getting better at it. I, You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're getting better at it. You're going to go back and fears, look at the first episode and be like, oh my God, that was horrible. That was terrible. And then next thing you know, there are people like, how did you do so good? And you're like, five, 10 years worth of work. I look back now, just like after a year and I look back and I'm like, what the hell was I doing? Actually, we just had the, I uh, had the production company put together uh, like bloopers from the first year that I'm going to put out in like a week Love it. just to make fun of myself. And I look back and I'm like, oh my God, it's probably, you know, it's probably 1% of the screw ups that I had on there because there's tons. But, um, but yeah, if you can't, if you can't have fun with yourself, you know, what can you have fun with? You know, you know, the army is good about this too, where it really teaches you. I remember the military, like day one, it was like, we don't want to hear any more excuses. Just say you fucked up. Can I swear right. on this podcast? Just yeah. <laughs> it's military. It's military driven, right? Goodness right. gracious. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can definitely say it. Actually, people um, leave in you. If you don't drop at least one F-bomb, they're going to think you're not a veteran. So that, yeah, if you're too corporate for me, if you can't swear. Yeah. So right. um, f- swearing is freedom a little bit. So <laughs> the the first day in the military, they're like, if you messed up, just say you messed up and, and let's fix it. Move on. Take responsibility. And that really carried with me. And, and so it really helps later in life when you admit you're like, Oh yeah, I messed that up. Everything that happens that I mess up. It's like, yes, my, who else's fault could it possibly be? Right. So those kind of things, you learn to laugh at them along the way. You're like, yeah, look how bad I am at things. Hey, (laughs) look how many mistakes I've made in real estate. And it's like sending my investors checks higher than I promised them. So I can't get that mad about it. You know, Hey, I made mistakes. Could you imagine what's going to happen when I get good? You guys better watch out. You think I'm arrogant now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You haven't seen anything yet. This episode is brought to you by Voris, a strategic sales advisor for early stage startups. At Voris, we'll add a startup sales expert to your team without the cost and commitment of hiring full-time. We offer sales and SDR advisory for teams serious about exceeding their goals as well as strategy and process recommendations to help accelerate growth. Let us tell you exactly what to focus on to dramatically improve your results. We help early stage startups hit the revenue goals and you are only one click away from more revenue. Forest.com. But that's a huge point too, is, uh, you know, starting out or just having a little bit of that solution and taking that action. I hear a lot of times when people are like, talk to me about beginning investing, right? Like they want to get into like real estate investment and they have this idea of what they've read in a book or they've listened to on a podcast and, and like, Hey, I hear this is the thing to do X, Y, or Z. I'm considering, you know, buying a bunch of property in Michigan or whatever. It's less expensive. It's excellent. Like, do you know someone there? Do you know property managers? Do you, have you done an investment before? Do you know you know, all these things, but it's because they've heard one thing and they hear of one result, right? Or they've heard different people talk about one type of result. And it's kind of like, you know, what also doesn't hurt the fact that probably your first couple, it's going to be a much less result, but it's probably still going to be that the chances are, it's still going to be positive. You know, you're still going to do okay. And you're gaining experience. And I think that sometimes people don't put that perspective of, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll spend money, spend GI bill, spend tuition assistance if you're still in the military or take student loans for a degree and stuff, which is great. Like, you know, educate education's awesome, but people just intrinsically th- think, okay, cool. That's an investment, but they don't see that these experiences are investments too. So if you do, let's say, you know, one investment with a property and maybe it doesn't turn out exactly the way you want, but you're not coming back negative. 
you just gained a lot of experience and you're still making money. That's a good point. There's an inherent worry that people have about investing, investing. They, they look at like, oh, I'm gonna invest in this real estate property and then I can't possibly lose any money. So I won't take the chance at all. Overly worried about the downside and largely ignorant or you know blind to the potential upsides. Like, what if you what if you make money, bro? What do yeah. you you know, you know, and, and to your point where it's like at one point you, you're never gonna know, right? The best way to do it if you want no risk is save all the capital and do it in cash. Yeah. Right. And even then I have people that are too scared. Yeah. It's like addiction, right? You can't, you can't make you can make somebody go to AA, but you can't make them quit. So <laughs> right. I can't. I can, I can give you the tools. I can even like, you know, come with you, but I, I can't write the check. Right. I can't write the check for you. There is definitely some hurdles. Uh, look, I had analysis paralysis when I first started too. So everybody has it and everybody finds their way to come across it, uh, to get across it. I, for me, I found a property for um, my price range. It was like $50,000 a property. At the time it rented for seven fifty. This is back in 2014, mm-hmm. 15, somewhere in there, 16, somewhere in there. And had the money cash. It was a deal. I went to my buddy. I said, I'm too scared to buy this deal. I'm just too scared. I think it makes money. He's like, I'll buy it. And I said, if you buy it and I miss out, then I'll know that it was me <laughs> and not you. So I let him, I said, okay, how about you give me like a 1% finder's fee? So he paid me 1200 bucks, a thousand dollars. And then the wholesaler gave me 1400 bucks. So I made 1400 bucks. He closed in that property in six days. <laughs> he ended up putting like five grand worth of work in it. So he owns it for 55. It now rents for 1200 a month. I'm sitting happy with my 1200, my 1400 bucks, obviously. <laughs> right. And, 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 and that was perfect. Cause for me, I was like, I got in my own way and I saw yeah. it. Yeah. That's the kind of thing people need. You need to be around people who are doing what you're doing. Not a theoretical, as you alluded to about like, Oh, I saw some guy in Michigan. It's like, no, bro, you need to know somebody boots on the ground in Michigan who's already doing what you want to do and is willing to be a sounding board mm-hmm. for your success. And then when you say, Hey, I'm about to buy this deal. What do you think? And they're like, if you don't, I will. Great. I'm definitely gonna. And if they're right. like, hey, yeah, if you should not buy that deal, that's that in the worst possible place. Don't buy it. Run for the hills. That's good <laughs> advice too. Right. But if you don't have that sounding board, you're just winging it. And there's no need to wing it. There's a million people on the internet that'll help you. There's podcasts like this. There's people that are easy to reach out to. It's just in this world right now with out-of-state investing in the internet, it's just too easy to get help and, and sounding boards. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I think, I think that I guess in today's world, I feel like the biggest struggle is just weeding through the more reputable information, you know, kind of get through the disinformation sometimes is really the biggest, the biggest struggle for, you know, w- with so much information out there, honestly. Yeah. So I do this my best way. Now I'm a student of history and economics and my best way to better understand investing is I try not to get any advice from people who have been investing after the 2008 crash, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. myself included. Right. Right. I've only invested in an up market. Right. People, they showed up in 16 and 18. They've been doing it a little while. They've seen some success and now they teach perfectly fine. It's altruistic. Right. It's, it's good to learn from people, but it's like, you don't really know yet. I do it myself. I teach people. I, I try not to teach as much as I say, Hey, look, this is what I did. And this is what, yeah. and this is, this is, it's working in this way. But for me to get really solid info is I usually just try to talk to people that have been around since before the crash. Now it's harder because older, wiser people are usually going to say, go slow. Don't take yeah. as much risk. Shit can hit the fan at any time. <laughs> Be careful. It's a long game. And I like those things. And as I get better, as you get more properties, you, you kind of, I find myself being more risk averse. Right. But when you're new and brand new, you, you, maybe you do need that person to be like, bro, go out there and get it. 
get it while you can. You're 25, go crush it. Don't listen to any of the naysayers, go bananas. So finding that balance of like hype and wisdom is definitely a skill in and of itself. But I will say to your point, Mm -hmm. if you want wisdom, talk to somebody who has been investing and survived the 08 collapse. If you want hype, talk to somebody who's been doing it for 18 months. (laughs) Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Well, I mean, there's, and there's other things besides the, um, you know, besides that crash too, like, you know, I invested, I started at 22, 23, you know, accidentally, you know, got my first properties, got it, got it, you know, a few more in the first five years, you know, after that. Um, and then, Hey, divorce, that's another crash, right? So that, that put me back to zero, you know, all of a sudden there's no property again, you start over, but you know, things like that in life happen. But if you only worry about those things, you know, to your point too, like, yeah, you don't have to, you know, believe all hype or something, but but also anything can happen. There's no reason not to get started in one direction or other. And it might not even be real estate, you know what I mean? But take action on something, something to put your life, you know, in a better position down the road. You're better off going into a crash with a little bit of money made and a lot of experience and losing everything Mm -hmm. than going into a crash with no experience and no money. Because once the down market hits, confidence in the the market is going to plummet as well. Right. And so then you're going to be like, I'm too, I'm too scared. And you're going to be a late starter on the re you know, the people who got into, into real estate in 2017 and 18, I'm like, you're six years late. Yeah. 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 You're really six years late. In fact, we're kind of the, the foreclosures came off the bank's balance sheet in 17. Basically, I mean, the, the party really kind of came to an end in 17. The only reason why it's keep going is because of low rates. Right. But I agree with you more, uh, divorce, you know, economic calamity, uh, just life wisdom. I, I'm I'm so much more appreciative. As a young guy, I was like, you know, what old people know. Now I'm like, bro, if you got gray hairs, I'm listening. <laughs> right, right. And, and you never know when it's going to apply to you. You know, I mean, there's there's conversations I've had with people, you know, 30 years older than me, 10 years ago even, that would, you know, we're talking about business or something, how they, you know, got to where they were that just, you know, did really well. And they had such simple things, but that stuck with me, you know, simple little advice that stuck with me until I was out of the mill. You know, then as soon as I started a business, like, you know what, I remember, you know, so-and-so said this and it's like one, one line. And you're like, well, I I feel like I have to apply that because he did really well and he was a good dude. And you know what I mean? Like all the, all the positive things. And it really, so much of it does break down to like, you know, if you have three or four kind of like your golden rules, that, you know, you've learned from these like much wiser people, it really does kind of set you up for success. It's not really that difficult. Yeah. Nothing. I, I, I have a, a, I'm known for saying this is, things are easy. Real estate is easy. Life is easy. I'm known for this kind of, you know, I kind of do it to be an antagonist. I mean, obviously I know <laughs> some things are hard, but really I, I also juxtapose that with saying like, look, if it was really hard, I wouldn't be able to do it. So Still the same way. It, Yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's Barbara Corcoran and there's, and there's Grant Cardone's and there's Rod Cleef's and there's big, big name people, all American homes for rent and open door, you know, open door and, and, and all these Zillow's by it's like, there's scale for sure. But then there's a guy like me who bought, you know, eight homes and two apartment buildings and is buying more. And it's like, I'm a nobody. And, and, and I've set my retirement up to an extremely safe position. Right. So the, so you, again, it's one of those things where it's like, is it hard? It's like, I mean, if it's hardest, if you don't try, exactly. That's when it's hardest. If you're just waiting for it to be perfect and you're just, you know, but Hey, go buy a house, like go buy a house, get a 30 year mortgage, have reserves. And it's like, if you mess up, you can basically wait out your mistake. 
You, you can, you can. I mean, basically it, it's yeah. going to be hard to, <clears throat> even if you have a lull in the market, it's like, oh, five years of getting bled a hundred or 200 bucks a month, bro. You got car payments that you've, that you've wasted more money on than a hundred or 200 bucks a month. And you're paying down equity and you're getting tax breaks. I mean, you can really make some mistakes in real estate. It's very forgiving. Flipping houses um, or high, high, high debt scenarios. Obviously, you can add more risk to it. But if you bought a, a if you buy a thirty year mortgage at you know four and a half percent and and it cash flows okay, even if it goes down, as long as you can ride the wave, you're gonna you're gonna be okay. It's it's just it's pretty low risk. If there was high risk, the bank wouldn't give you a thirty year fixed rate mortgage on it. I think that's a huge point, and I actually am gonna steal that and use that a bit more because, and, you know, in, inside, we know that like, you know, if you're, you're kind of working this business or you've been around it, you kind of know that, but that's a great way to, you know, just verbalize that to people of like, Hey, someone else is already measuring your risk. You know, they're not going to give you money thinking that you're going to lose it. You know? So if you are leveraging, you are taking a loan, someone else is already doing some of the work for you. Yeah. So I was in lending for 10 years. So I think more like I was a risk analyst by, <clears throat> by trade. It turns out I'm a risk analyst by personality and hobby too. But yeah, I mean, there's only one 30 year fixed rate mortgage in the world and that's by, backed by the government. And, it, and they're going to ask you for, you know, a credit score, a DTI and an LTV. And if you meet it, they're like, we're good. We'll take the risk. So they've systemized it and they've risk mitigated for you and it's fixed. It's like, ugh, it's, dude, it's just hard to, it's really, you got to try to mess that up. I mean, not to say that people can't do it. And in 2008, um, the, the mortgage industry really poisoned. They, they really put poison into deep into the system mm-hmm. of American homeowners. And I don't think that specific situation will happen again. Not to say that home values can't come down or that mortgages right. don't have risk. But for the most part, again, even the people who bought in 08 at the uh, 07, 06 at the top, if they hung on, they're, they're in better shape now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, we've sold homes in the last year, year and a half that made considerable amount of money over, over what they purchased at the height, you know? And most of those were honestly, most of those, the people that still had them, a lot of them were actually just rentals this whole time. So they weren't, they never lost anything. And that's another thing too. If you have, like you said before, you, you mentioned reserves, like, Hey, you get in, you know, get into a home, have have an investment. And if you have reserves, if you can weather a little bit, if need be, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. And that's what a lot of these people that sold people are like, Oh my gosh, but they only made, here's what I love too. When someone here and you know, and like, you know, I'm in San Diego. So if one's someone's like, Oh, well they only made 150,000 off that property after these, after X amount of time. And it's like, no, 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 but they've been renting it for, you know, they've been renting it for say eight years and made money and then 150,000, like what a first world problem, right? They only made 150,000 on top of what they had originally purchased. Someone else paid down their, you know, paid down their note and they, they have that equity. And it's kind of like, we've, we're so spoiled in a sense to where I actually hear people, they only made $150,000 plus rent for eight years on that property. And it's like, well, what do you want? Uh, we're seeing that a lot right now in this, uh, you know, for the last 18 months, we've had this market mania mm-hmm. since, since basically since, since COVID started somehow, somehow COVID hit, hit, and then the market went bananas up Right. some, for some reason. Oh, I have my theories, but point is, um, yeah, everybody's gotten super greedy. Rates have been low. Now people are like, oh, I only, my mortgage lender quoted me three and a quarter percent. I know I can do better than that. That's right. what's a, such a high rate. And I'm like, if you're under six, I don't want to hear anything. That's like, yeah. that's easy money, 6%. And now you're at two and a quarter or two, seven, five or 3.2. So 
that's going to happen in the run-up. Um, people are like, you know, I only made, you know, $30,000 on that, on that flip. And I'm like, bro, I, you sold it in one day. I mean, <laughs> right. So um, again, this is kind of what I was alluding to before about, you know, people that only know an up market get entitled and spoiled. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, the S and P on a hundred year timeline makes 8%. Mm-hmm. Right now, people last year made 15, right? And in 20, you know, 17, it was up 26% and all these big numbers. And it's like, okay, this is how averages work, right? You're going to lose your ass one of these days. You're going to have a net loss year. That's how averages work. So right. uh, it's very easy to get entitled when, you know, we're, we're in the same place we were in 08, where people like real estate only goes up, you know? Yeah. You see, um, you see private equity firms are buying up single family homes. Zillow's buying up single family homes. It's going bananas. And people are like, it can only go up. And I, I think it's, I think they're doing it for other reasons, but it doesn't always go up. So it very, it's very important to be kind of to juxtapose what you had said earlier about like people are afraid to get started. And then, and then it seems, I know, I don't want to use like the, they, but yeah. they are afraid to get started. And then they tell you, you only made 150 grand. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, um, take your risk, make any profit. You got, you got paid to get experience. I mean, and then play the game not for two years. Stop trying to get rich quick. That's not, mm-hmm. that's a fool's errand. I never play the two-year game. I always play the 40-year game. So take, if you can make small profits and gain and get paid for experience, you know, it's going to compound over time into an obnoxiously big degree. Oh, absolutely. And one, one of the things like, uh, you know, obviously our, our business is a lot based on, uh, you know, the residential business is a lot based on, uh, you know, VA veterans. So a lot have the VA loans and stuff. And, and, even sing, you know, honestly, a lot of the single guys, girls want to, you know, like, okay, cool. They're starting to get it to like, Hey, I should get into something. It, you know, it is an investment. I have this and, you know, I have this great entitlement and kind of that whole get off the fence and don't overanalyze thing. There is like, you don't put money into it, you know, and people hear things like cap rates and stuff like that. And that comes up all the time. Hey, what's this cap rate? They you know, I see this and I'm like, dude, you're, you're using hundred percent round, you know, hundred percent finance loan that's there's no cap rate just start thinking about like you know cash on cash return like you put nothing into this and eventually you're getting money from it you know so getting out of your own way to simplify some of those things and recognizing what you're getting from it because if you don't if you're not putting money in that's one of those home runs you know just the fact that you're living in something that you're not putting money into and you're getting that experience. That's huge. And now a lot of the people, you know, are looking at, which honestly, this is how I really, really got started. Or like the two unit, three unit, four unit properties without that limit on the VA loan. And it's just, you've got nothing in it and you've got rental income right away. And the, and the averages, it, it ends up, you know, people are living in one unit of like, say three, and they're not paying anything because just the averages between rent and what it actually costs with these low rates. Again, it's, it's, now it doesn't mean it'll always be that way because I don't know what your first home purchase was. My first one was like ten and a half percent, and you know what it did? It, it made money eventually. You know what I mean? But it was a home I was living in. You know that that's just what it was at the time. So well, it's really that perspective as well. You know? Yeah. Again, we're all entitled because yeah, we're addicted to these cheap rates and people. You know, when they're new. Again, I I, I told you before I study history and economics, and so we're addicted to these really cheap, artificially low rates and. Uh, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. But my mom's first mortgage was 18%, 16%. Your first mortgage, people go, how can you make any money? And it's like, you might not be able to buy real estate like you think. 
Yeah. You might not be able to, you might have to pivot. So if you can lock in a three and a quarter rate right now and hold on to it, it's like, that might be a once, you know, yeah. in 08, 09, when the rates came down, people like get those rates while you can, because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. That once in a lifetime opportunity lasted about 10 years now. Right. Well, eventually the Federal Reserve is going to keep rates low and the dollar is going to collapse or the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates and we'll, we'll do right by the economy and it's going to be more, more difficult to invest. In fact, right. in, in 20 minutes, uh, Jerome Powell is going to come out and talk about the rate policy for the next three months and we'll, we'll see what he says. People are speculating that they're going to start a rate raise increase to combat this inflation. But point is, kind of the overarching thing we we're talking about, but get people getting started, it's like, you won't realize what kind of Goldilocks opportunity we're in mm -hmm. if you don't start now until it's too late. And then you're like, now the next thing might not be in real estate. The next popular thing might yeah. be in something else. You know, people are going bananas over crypto. People are right. going bananas over NFTs and all these other things. And it's like, you're going to always have to pivot in investing. Yeah. You're always going to have to pivot if you want to stay really, really good. But if you can kind of get into real estate, start learning those things now and lock in those low rates and, and kind of get it while it's, while it's, you know, it's popular now and prices are up, but you know, you might be forced to pivot. And now next thing you know, you're like, Oh, I just spent two years learning this thing. I was too afraid to pull a trigger. And now it's not as lucrative. Right. Right. In the seventies, when the rates came up, bro, it was like what? 15 years. Yeah. It yeah. was 10 years where they hung high. Yeah. It wasn't a quick little thing. So, you know, what if you had, what if you had 10 years at 10% for investment properties or 12%? Yeah. You know, that's a different game. And, and, and that's a great point too. When you talk about pivoting, it doesn't always mean outside of what you're doing, it, it can be inside that too. You know, it's kind of real estate, you know, it might, you might not be investing the way you are investing in real estate, or you, it just might not be investing in real estate altogether, depending on where you are. Uh, you know, it's like stocks, you don't just invest in one stock, you know, you, you go where, you know, where you think the money is and, and you go where, you know, whether it's technology, what, you know, so many just different avenues inside that. And it's the same with real estate. If I continue to invest in real estate for the next 15 years, let's just say, I guarantee you in five years from now, I won't be investing in the same way that I am now because it's just going to be a different situation. I started off, I wanted 10 single family homes and I was going to retire. Mm -hmm. I was going to buy one a year for 10 years. I bought eight in three years. Mm -hmm. Right now I have my primary. So I had nine mortgages. I was like, dude, do I want to keep going up there and I can get one more Fannie Mae mortgage? To me, single family doesn't make sense without the 30 year mortgage. Single mm -hmm. family residential right. rental real estate. It doesn't make sense without a 30 year mortgage. I don't want five year balloons. I don't want callable mortgages. It right. only makes sense with that Fannie Mae mortgage. So right in there, four years in, I pivoted. I said, I'm gonna go buy multifamily because if I'm gonna do all this work yeah. and I can't, and I have to get a commercial loan, I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna get a, a so I bought a 24 unit. Right. And then I found out you can get a 30 year government subsidized mortgage on big properties, but you gotta go big. Right. So we bought a 52 unit and we used Freddie Mac debt. It's 30 year fixed amortized. It's mm -hmm. 20 year balloon. It's assumable. So if rates do come up, I can give somebody else this loan at three and a half percent. Right. And it's non-recourse. Right. So I don't have any risk in it. I don't have to sign for it. So I was like, so as to your point, and then all my single families now, I'm taking them off of long-term rentals and I'm converting them to Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So learn real estate do it whatever way you want. And I'm flipping houses now do it whatever way you think is best for you. And then you'll get better and be like, I, I have more talents. I can do other stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to pivot. I, I intend to pivot forever. Just like, you know, stocks to your point, right? It's like, um, you know, I bought Ford and Tesla. 
I sold, I sold Ford when they looked like you're struggling and I was buying Tesla. And then when Tesla went bananas overpriced, I was like, I don't want to own something that's just out of spec. I'll sell while I can. And now I'm buying um, Ford because I think they're going to, I think they're going to dominate the electric industry. Netflix was good for a long run. And then they lost friends. They lost the office. I said, we are no longer investing in infrastructure. We are investing into who can create the best intellectual property. Right. No more Netflix by Disney. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I mean, that's huge though, but like it's, it's from paying attention, right? It's just some simple things, but you're paying attention to where you're putting your money. And I love the Ford, the Ford part, because you know, you start with something, you make some money. It doesn't mean that that's a bad investment, you know, but you, you felt like you kind of capped out at that time or whatever. So cool. You move on to something else, but you can come back. You don't close the door on what you've already learned. Right. And I feel like this is the same in anything that you do. Once you have those skills, the skills don't go away. That knowledge doesn't go away. You you've, you've earned that part and it, it can't be taken. Yeah. And I think some of it is exposure, right? Like mm-hmm. people don't, bro, this is the best tool that has ever been made <laughs> in human history. Like if best, you have a cell best phone, and worst, if, best and worst. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Like people misuse it and that's their fault, but that that's, ain't the phone's fault. Right? That, that, no, like that's, that's my problem. That's hundred yeah. percent. It's like a hammer. I can build a house with a hammer or I can go on a murderous spree <laughs> banging people's faces in. Right. It's not the hammer's fault. The hammer yeah. is amazing, right? Yeah. The hammer is amazing. So if you have one of these, which I'm assuming uh, your listeners do, I'm holding up mm-hmm. a cell phone, right? If you right. have a cell phone, you know, you got podcasts, you have access to human beings, you have access to all the information. And so just curate your feeds. My biggest problem right now with social media is, well, first off, I don't really consume that much social media. I right. produce social media. Right. That's, that, that's a, that's a, but, but that being said, um, everybody in my social media feed is better at life than me. Mm-hmm. So my biggest problem is, you know, they say like, be the stupidest guy in the room. Right. Right. Your social media is the room. And so my biggest problem is like, oh, no matter how much I know, or no matter how successful I am, I'm the lowest man on the totem pole. So I have, it comes with its own problems, but <laughs> it gives me incredible motivation and insight and access that was never been able to have 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. You can, you can log on your phone, you can follow stock news, you can follow macroeconomics, you can follow um, real estate trends. And it, there is definitely a skill in separating signal from noise. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of it. But having to scrape, sig- you know, um, sort signal from noise on your phone is better than watching BS Netflix. You're going to do oh, yeah. better with, yeah. you're going to do better kind of with bad information, <laughs> right? Cause you can, you can, over time, you can get better and weed that information out. Then if you don't, if you're just looking at Instagram nonsense, you're never, you have no chance. Right. Yeah. And, and so I mean, how many access. places do you go when you see that too, you know, at, at, where I'm anywhere I go, I'll see people waiting, you know, you're waiting for whatever to pick up a car waiting for, you know, at the airport, it's just scrolling, 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 you know? So yeah, it, it's very true. Very true. It's a powerful tool, but I've, I've definitely got sucked into, you know what I mean? You, th- there's, too, there's too much access to too many things sometimes. And I catch myself maybe a week later going, you know, what the heck did I just spend 12 hours in this last week for nothing, you know, of random shit? Look, I love rabbit holes, right? I love them. There's so, there's so much neat stuff you can find that's mostly useless. I mean, the internet, the internet, the world is a fascinating place. Yeah. So, you know, and I spend a lot of time doing, like, doing a camera guy camera, good camera, got lights everywhere. Right. This is, this is a YouTube set, right? This is, 
and it was a hobby for me. Doesn't make any money. And then now it's like, well, now it kind of makes me a little bit of money. So I'm not saying you can't have any downtime. What I, what I think people mess up is they don't see their scroll time as useful as they potentially make it useful. Yeah. That stuff you're scrolling through, like you chose it. Yeah. You chose it. And so kids are very curious and then we kind of beat it out of them. Yeah. And so it's like, I believe that humans are actually a lot of them deeply curious people Mm -hmm. who kind of get, um, it's kind of stigmatized, right? We definitely have an anti-intellectualism streak here in America. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's easy to get into headlines and polarizing, you know, political nonsense and all these other pitfalls everywhere, but podcasts, audible, Facebook groups, masterminds, they're all accessible. Most of them are close to free, if not absolutely free. And that's the thing I do best. I know how to use that phone better than most people. And I just, not to say I don't use it to screw around or waste my time. I do like everybody else, but my time wasting is minimal. And my, the things that I've conditioned myself to be interested in are valuable. Yeah. And and that's huge. I know that when I recognize that it's really speaks poorly on me of when I realized that uh, the time, the type of time that I was wasting at one point, and it was because of several friends, you know, had asked a few times, like, Hey, let's go out and, you know, let's go out and play around a golf, you know? And it's like, man, I'm just swamped. Right. Don't have time to, you know, put four hours into, you know, go out and hit a golf ball, which I love to do. You know, I love to be out with my friends, just be out in the sun, play some golf. Oh man, I just don't have, don't have the time. And then I realized, you know, I'm like looking back going, I think I've been during that same time, let's say over a couple months, I realized I probably had spent eight hours per week over a two month span watching like golf tutorials on instead of playing YouTube. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I could have played like I could have been out with my friends twice a week for the last two months because I don't give a shit how I play golf. You know what I mean? But it was like, okay, I, clearly I'm interested. My friends want me to go out and play. So it's in my head and I'm watching these tutorials when I could have been fucking playing golf. I had a, I, I, I've had a few people who have tried to teach photography too over the years and photography is kind of, I'm not a great educator. It's, it's hard to teach. It's more like, bro, go out there and practice. And I can yeah. show you while we're on the ground, how to get that camera out of your way. And I've literally had people say to me the exact same thing. I'm like, you want to go shoot? And they're like, actually I'm at home learning photography. Like, and I'm like, you? I don't think you are. Right. <laughs> right. I think you're living vicariously through this idea of how to get better rather than put the work into. Right. And actually to, to tie this to what we've been talking about, it's the same thing where it's like, bro, you can sit there all day on the internet and learn how to buy real estate, but you're never yeah. going to learn how to buy real estate until you go sign a check. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, it's a, it's a harsh reality though when you learn that, because I think we, we kind of feel like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm looking at one video. I'm listening to one you know, podcast, one audiobook, or something like that. And, and, you know, all those things are fine, but when you realize that those times add up and then you could have there, if there's something that more that you would want to do, you can make the time for that, you know? And, and that's kind yeah. of hit home for me. The internet came at the peak of reality TV. Mm-hmm. And we got into this condition where we just like to live vicariously through other people, which is fine. It's perfectly fine. A lot of people like that. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't actually like that, but culturally they've kind of got fell into the, to that quagmire. And so instead of like watching other people live vicariously, just go, just go do stuff. Just yeah. go do it. Yeah. Go make the mistake yourself. Like you're not going to be perfect. In fact, we talked, you talked earlier about like your first deal, you know, people waiting for it to be perfect. It's like, first off, bro, 
your first deal is always going to be your worst deal because you suck. You don't even know how bad you suck until you close that deal. And if it was a really, 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 really unbelievably good deal, it probably would never come near you. Right. It would get scooped up by somebody right. better who would be able to close right away. So by the time you get your first deal and it's gone through all the fast buyers, you're like, this is a good deal. And then you, you open your eyes after you're done. You're like, I could have done, I got to do better the next time. Yeah. So just go get one. My first deal is my worst deal by a long shot. I mean, and it, and it should be, it really should, it be, should in a, be in a lot of ways, you know? And, and but uh, I know we, <laughs> I had a deal with a partner this last year that we put a lot into, and it was just out of the norm. It wasn't, it wasn't textbook anything, but we saw an opportunity and actually we just did because it's fun. I mean, it was, you know, we're in COVID and we're like, this is a huge project that I think we could make something of. And it was more, uh, I would say we gained more. I mean, it still worked out. You know what I mean? It, it probably ended up being like a double. You know what I mean? Like you, you get that double, but could it have been better? Sure. And when we're done, we sit down and you analyze it and go, hey, let's not make the same mistakes again. But also some of those mistakes probably won't even be an option again because things are different. Like COVID, like supply chain, being able to get things for a large project in a timely manner. There's so many impacts there, but the experience makes it a home run 10 times over. You know, we're not losing money. It, it turned out f- totally fine, but the amount of effort was, you know, it was greater amount of effort, but the experience was also greater. So you can look at that as like, oh my God, I spent X amount of time there. Or you can look at it as like, hey, I got a freaking this much education from this project. And, and I think when you put that perspective into things, you just come out way more positive and you're ready for the next one. And you take that time to learn from it. And I don't know, it's like what you were talking about very, very beginning of, Hey, investing versus military time, right? You know, Hey, there's no grenades going off. How bad can it be? Right? Yeah. I mean, you got paid to learn. Meanwhile, somebody's on the internet, not getting paid and not learning as much. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm fussing right now. I'm going through this flip and it's like stressing me out and all this other stuff. And I'm like, Alex, you use somebody else's money. The deal came to you. It took a little long. We went over budget. I'm still going to make like 30 grand on 90. Right. Right. It's, and I'm like fussy. Cause I, I could have made 45. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of comes back first, to what you said earlier, but like you only made 150 grand. It's like, bro, I learned so much. I'm about, yeah. I have systems now set up to do the next one faster, more efficient, right. Make good profits. And it's like, I had to pay. I had to put the risk on the line to learn those things. And now I'm still going to get paid. And I look at it like, well, I'm 37. I figure I'll live till I'm at least 90. Mm-hmm. So I got like 30 more years, 40 more years, 50 more years to do this. Mm-hmm. If I get 10% better every year, God forbid mm-hmm. I have a good year and get 20% better, 30%. Right. Bro, I'm deadly yeah. and I'm getting paid to do it. So I think people, you know, and then there's people that are 10 years younger than me that are just getting started and they already have, you know, probably more capital than me. They have more confidence than I did, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, and, and they just need to, you know, pull that trigger and, and realize, it's just not going to be perfect. Have reserves. Yeah. Never, ever, 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 ever take risk of ruin. If it can mm-hmm. sink you completely, don't, don't do it. Right. But if it's one, it's like, hey, look, if this goes south, I'll have to weather the storm. And as long as you can afford to weather the storm, bro, yeah, get paid to learn. Yeah, 100%. What about, let's go back to uh, earlier when we were talking about, you know, some of those companies buying up properties now. You're saying you have your own theories on where things are going. Let's, let's throw it out there if you don't mind. I don't know that single family homes are as, I don't know that it's as lucrative as, w- when you see the news headlines, they're like 
single family homes are in high demand. That's why these people are buying it. But I think really what's happening is we have a, a economic policy right now that says we have incredibly low rates right. with the likelihood that they're going to increase in the next probably year, mm-hmm. if not sooner. So we have, in, we have artificially low rates. We have an incredible amount of liquidity in the market, right? right. So there's money to spend because, because there's all this, this you know, the inflation, right? So yeah. the dollar value is going to come down. And when the dollar value comes down, fixed rate debt has a premium because the the dollar value of the mortgage doesn't change. $500 a month is still gonna be $500 a month. But if people start getting more and more money, now the value goes down, but not to the bank. The bank only wants 500 bucks a month. Even if you right. now have, rents doubled. Yeah. Rents doubled. Oh my God. But I can't, you know, milks and everything, like cost of living is gonna go up and people yes. are gonna get squeezed. But these companies are getting mortgages. So I think the incentive for them isn't really that single family homes are hyper valuable. I think that they are incented to get out of cash because rates are low. Inflation is here and liquidity is high. Mm-hmm. So I think for that, it's like, I really want to get out of cash. I need to spend it. Um, and because the internet, you can buy them all over the country. It used mm-hmm. to be that you have to like buy them all in. I live in Charlotte, so I got to buy them all in Charlotte. And it's like the market gets saturated. Well, now Zillow can buy nationally. So I don't think that it creates an incentive for regular buyers to go off and spend all their money on single family homes. I think it creates an incentive for institutional buyers to place capital at a fairly safe place. But I don't think that it suggests that returns are going to be that high. I think it mm-hmm. suggests that it's going to be safe hedge against inflation mm-hmm. and inherently low, lower risk. Right. As you mentioned earlier about you know putting your money or your investments in different areas, I think that those are great things to recognize You know, for anyone investing you know, the difference between like, sometimes it's, you know, you're, I don't want to say putting your money into a holding pattern, but you know, at that safety net or something that you feel like, okay, cool. I'll get a steady, small return. That's not always a bad thing either. And I think that's where people have to kind of take a look at themselves and what point they are in their life, what point or what their goals are and decide how much goes into each of those buckets or, you know, where, and when is the right time to make certain moves or where they want to put that money. If you're 25 and you have limited resources, mm-hmm. like go off, borrow money and flip houses. Yeah. Go off, start a wholesaling business to work on, on labor, mm-hmm. or maybe get a few homes and just, and sit on them for, for risk mitigation. Don't buy gold. Right. But if you're 65, <laughs> right. And you have assets and, and you're coming to this market right now where inflation's high. It's like, yeah, the time to buy gold is now. Right. Right. The time to buy gold is now. I started buying gold because I'm, I'm hedging against inflation because I'm in a position where it's like, Hey, I really don't want to start fresh. Yeah. I'm lowering my risk portfolio because I have enough. I don't have a lot, but I have enough where I'm like, Hey, look, I don't want to lose this and start over. And mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm lowering my risk exposure. If you're 25 and young, it's like, bro, you want to take higher risk. Yeah. The institutional people, they need to pay out 6% and they need to pay it out monthly. So for them, and they have a lot of capital to place. Yeah. So for them, it's like uh, apartments got harder to buy, you know, cap rates have, have compressed so hot, so much that they're betting you know, single family homes are going to stay, especially in suburbs, especially now with remote work. I think they're betting that single family homes are going to stay stable. Mm-hmm. The investment, if you want high gains, buy crypto. Right. If you want reliable, then, you know, gold, maybe a single family, uh, 30 year mortgages. So mm-hmm. everybody's situation is different and it really is important. Um, and these are high level topics. I know for like beginner listeners understand that I have a lot of time um, researching and as a career risk analyst and, and how to move risk around. So 
Uh, but it is important to know those things. Where are your risks? What are the risks in the market? How is it going to change over time? And also, like you said, like not everybody has the same goals or the same resources. Big institutional money, they want low risk, reliable cash flow most of the times, right? Endowments, right. colleges, these kind of things, retirement accounts, they don't want to take risk. They want reliable. So right. do you want reliable or do you want the flyer? Right. Right. Go there and spend 20 grand on cryptocurrency and buy a bunch of coins. It's like, you're probably going to lose a bunch of money, but you might get one that goes up a thousand percent. Right. You also might lose all of it. Yeah. You know, and that's a game that, you know, for a 25 year old dude who just made a million bucks on crypto, it's like, yeah, keep, why would you, maybe if you were, if you had held crypto for 10 years and you were 25 and now you're 35 and you have a family, you're like, yo, sell that million dollars, put it in homes, right? <laughs> Buy some gold. Like, I don't want to play the game anymore. So right. it's really important to stay flexible, to pay attention to the market, to gain that experience, be you know able to move around, understand your risk portfolio, understand that the economy is going to change and you know adapt <clears throat> and play the game as it changes. Yeah. That's the other thing. There's no end, right? You know, there's not like until, until you're done, until you die, like there's no end to the game. You decide when you get in and out and you decide what you can, what you want to do, what you can do, what's right for you at the time. Yeah. And the game's going to change. Like real estate was booming for the last seven, eight years because all the foreclosures from the 08 collapsed and then low rates. That's not going to come back the same way ever. No. Real estate will be lucrative, you know, blah, blah, blah. Something else will be hot, right? Like cryptocurrency is probably, it's here to stay in some form. I don't know what's going to look like, but there's going to be something, there's going to be new stuff. Cannabis is going to be legalized soon. There's going to be national chains for that. I, I mean, there's, there's always stuff coming and there's always things that are going to change and you have to adapt. Like there's never been a point in economics that you could say, Hey, I'm just going to do this the same way. And it'll always work. Like right. the only time that works is really is gold. And it's the <laughs> least, you know, or maybe, maybe if you bought bonds, and even right. now bonds, you can't make any money on it. So the safer you go, the less the return. That's, that's capitalist economics 101. You get paid to take risk. Yeah. So if you're unwilling to take risk, you're gonna have a sad effing time in investing. So you have to look at the, you have to look at things, you have to participate and say, where am I gonna be able to take my risks, make some money and then protect my downside? Cause I don't, you know, Warren Buffett, rule one, do not lose money. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly solid rule. Yeah, well, what's rule two? Same. <laughs> do not lose money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 No, there, I mean, there's some, I, I, I really appreciate that you kind of bring up some of those, you know, it's not, it's not all about real estate investing. It's not investing is investing. You know what I mean? Like you have to choose what's right for you at that time. And I, I don't know what, what I choose to do two years from now may be, I, I mean, I'm actually pretty certain it won't be what I'm doing now, you know, or at least not in the same form. I think a lot's going to change in the next two years. I do too. Actually, I do too. Economically. And well, so another thing too is, uh, you know, COVID does a crazy thing. No one, know, no one knows that's going to happen or no one knew that was going to happen and stuff. But everything good or bad, every change brings opportunity if you choose to look for it. You know, a lot of people made a lot of money last year during COVID. You know, you look for that opportunity, they're there. You just have to pay attention. Yeah, there's, you know, there's people on social media complaining about how hard the year was. Admittedly, it was hard for many people in many ways, right. hard for myself in many ways, but mm -hmm. economically I did very well. Right. Um, stock market was booming. So um, life is not like all win or all loss. It's right. multifaceted and complex and you have to stay with that complicated mindset. You can't really oversimplify investing to say, I'm just going to do this one thing. Now, I shouldn't say that because you can. My friend Carly, she owns six Airbnbs. They're all paid off. She runs them herself. Mm -hmm. She loves it, right? Mm -hmm. 
that's pretty much going to stay to make her enough money to, to live off of. And she's going to be a happy camper. Right. Do you want to be like Carly? That's a good play. Yeah. Do you want to grow? You're going to have to take more risk. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to, you have to be looking for those opportunities. And so stay nimble. Don't get attached to your way. Like it's, you know, this works forever and ever. And it's like, you know, people with Bitcoin right now, they're like, yo, it just only goes up. And I'm like, it's only 11 years old. Yeah. Human civilization is about 6,000 years old. You have <laughs> no idea if this thing's going to stick around or not. And, you know, my, my argument is the same with uh, Tesla. I love Tesla as a company. I've, their stock is obviously egregiously, hilariously, you know, incredibly overpriced. Mm-hmm. Will they make it or not? You know, will they become a big player? Very well, maybe, but mm-hmm it's just more likely that the stock price will come down to a reasonable, to match their market share. So it's just too new to tell. So you have to, you have to stay invested mentally into market forces and you have to adapt and then you have to be okay with it. No, don't get too attached. (laughs) Don't get too attached. That's a, that's a good rule for a lot of things because things will change. But how about, I, I mean, I know that you, you know, you're out there in a lot of places, you know, when I looked at some of, you know, some of your media, you do, you do have a lot of good media out there. So how about, you know, can you tell everyone listening some of the places they can listen to you or see you? I'm trying hard at YouTube. My, uh, Alexander Felice on YouTube. I talk about a variety of different topics from real estate to, I do a videography. So I have some cinematic entertaining things on there. And then I have these little rants about socio-political economic things that are coming. So I, I'm really trying hard on YouTube. I think YouTube is going to be huge. I think we're just getting started on YouTube. Agreed. If I can encourage anybody to do YouTube, I, I highly encourage that. I am the co-host of the From Military to Millionaire podcast with my friend David Prey. We are a military-driven podcast similar to yourself where you know we talk to soldiers and veterans about mostly real estate investing. And I do most of my ranting on Facebook. You can always find me on Facebook. <laughs> and I do long, nuanced smack talk where try to walk the line about polarizing topics. And my goal is not to pick sides. My goal is to piss everybody off, which is actually much harder. (laughs) (laughs) Harder than you would think, right? It's harder to get everybody mad and be reasonable. Like, like, Oh, well I get his point, but also he's a jerk. Like it's hard. That's a hard (laughs) line to walk on delicate topics. So if you want to be entertained and angry, you can follow me on Facebook. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Hey, Alex, man, I really appreciate your, uh, appreciate your time today and your patience while I had a power outage. So definitely uh, <laughs> appreciate that. And yeah, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. And, you know, absolutely anyone who wants to go check out Alex or send a message at expertishpodcast.com and we will, you know, reach out to him for you or stuff, but I would definitely check out the YouTube. That's actually where I, I was uh, watching some of your stuff. It is entertaining. So I appreciate it. I'm going to try to uh, take a few notes from that to kind of get our channel up and going. So I appreciate that. And just appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. This was fun. You're a great host. I love the name of this podcast. And uh, (laughs) if I can be of any help, uh, dude, YouTube sets, lighting, camera work, any of that stuff. If you need some help setting something up, let me know. If I can be of any value to anybody who's listening, please, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to help. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Thank you.